Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Led by Life. We're your hosts. I'm Rafaela, and this is my friend, Hannah. We're uh, two manifestors um, in human design. If you're familiar with the system of human design, we both share the same energy type. And that's really how we came to um, establish our friendship. We realized that we love human design as a tool. We love the concepts of the gene keys and having deeper conversations around the human experience. So today we're going to explore gene key three, gift three. And uh, yeah, so let's begin. Let's begin. Welcome. We were just having a conversation before about how we're feeling and the energy is feeling lower today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like there, but feeling like just a little tired, you know, um, showing up a little differently today, but I think it's good. I'm kind of, now that we've said it, I'm kind of intrigued to sort of see how it like unfolds. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I still have the same level of excitement. Like I'm, I'm just always so excited to chat with you, but um, yeah, we'll just see, see what comes up today. So we're exploring, like Rafa said, the third jinky, the third energy and the shadow expression is chaos and the gift is innovation And then the city, the highest expression is innocence. And yeah, I'm really excited. I feel so excited about this city, about this innocence. And oh well, sorry, go ahead. Well, we can we can get into it, but I just love the and I, you know, the the thing I actually started doing this week, I know we talked about it. We both said last time that we're like, I'm not getting rid of this book. Like I'm keeping this book for, forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so much in here. I have tabbed it with all the different numbers and I started highlighting this week. So I just got the highlighter out and <laughs> started um playing with annotating the book but the thing that really stood out to me and I've highlighted highlighted it here is the gift of play so I'm really excited to talk about that because um like how play and innocence and innovation are connected I think is really exciting well what do you what do you think about what, like what stood out to you the most about this understanding of play? So what it makes me think of, and I think he talks about it in the book is about how imaginative children are and how there's no limitations. Children don't limit themselves with like, Oh, that couldn't be possible. I couldn't do that. They have limitless ideas of what's possible and when they're playing and when they're in their imagination and they're just in the moment they can come up with all sorts of things and there's no limits to what's possible whereas as adults we kind of grow out of that we 
I think, get conditioned by the world and we're told you can't do this or that's not possible or we're told all of these things, all, we're told all of these limitations. We're taught to have like a limited mindset and so I feel like that really limits our potential to innovate and create new things and to bring new things to life that haven't ever been invented or created before. Yeah. You know, one of the things that stood out to me the most, and I think I like briefly share this to you, but I might've like been super tired when I like was voice noting it. So I didn't like have the whole thought come out, but what I had thought about was there's a part in not only this section, but the chapters before it, where he talks about us making this shift into, you know, our true brain being in the emotional solar plexus. And what I was thinking was what if like, that's the reason for this really big boom in the last however many years and even now I can see it of a lot of emotionally focused modalities in whether it be like psychology um personal development um it that's what I sort of was wondering is okay all not all of a sudden because in some fields we've always been working with the emotional side of human beings but i sense that especially with this conversation around like regulating the nervous system and the science that has come out with how our emotions are so closely tied to this biological part of ourselves mm-hmm. and how we're moving you know into the emotions being our like true brain. I wonder if that's like what all of this has been getting us ready for, you know, like psychology. And he even referenced Freud in the, um, in the, in the shadow frequency. And so I'm, I just, to me, it's like a beautiful, like screenplay of the transition of how we start to like really relate with our worlds in that, like we needed our, or humanity to be very much cognitively focused to come up with the structures and the systems and the routines of things and to have like sort of a logical understanding of how things can be in place. And now it sort of seems like we're moving beyond that and into our emotional states and how the emotions provide us with so much information sometimes it for some people an overwhelming amount of information being the reason why like maybe many of us have difficulty with emotional regulation or go into states of like fight or flight or um you know, not really being able to like sit or process with them because we weren't really taught that. I mean, I don't know about for you, but it seems like there's a lot of reflection around that, the fact that older generations aren't so much in tune with their emotions. Mm -hmm. And it brought me to this concept regarding children in play. One of the, the works, one of the tools that is often given to people who are working with their emotional regulation 
is inner child work. So that's really like how it all came together for me is like, wow, what if we're just coming back to like be more present with our with our inner child? And he had mentioned something about how like the future generations will be these children with great depth and um, play and all this stuff. And I sort of was, to me, that's just how it made sense. Like when I was reading it, it came to me in this really beautiful way of us reconnecting with our inner children. Yeah. Our inner children and why there's such a big conversation around it right now. Mm. That's brought up so much for me. Go for it. I want to hear it. I don't I don't know where to start, but what I what keeps coming up is this um so it this is this gate is in the individual circuit. Mm-hmm. So it's a very individual energy and I think that's I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking about authenticity, individuality and what came up for me earlier was like tapping into that inner child is where we can connect with our authenticity because when we're a child, we're not overthinking, we're not in our mind thinking about who we are or how we operate or we're not thinking about what's authentic to us. We're just being authentic. We're just being ourselves, right? But then that gets suppressed and going back to emotions, we're taught you shouldn't feel this way. If you are upset or angry or frustrated, you're taught to calm down. If you're too overly happy, you're, you're taught to calm down. We're kind of told as children that our emotions are not, we're taught to judge our emotions as good or bad instead of just feeling them and being with them and processing them. I think that's changing. I, I really do think that's yeah. changing with all this conscious parenting, this movement of my, like more intentional conscious parenting uh so I'm really excited about that as well to see that change but yeah it just kind of it's brought up a lot of different things but it really comes back to I think where our individuality is and that's what human design and the gene keys is all about it's individuating us it's about de-homogenizing us uh and it's about us really expressing our unique individuality and that's where we can access it I think is tapping back into that inner child who's not caught up in the mind not caught up in the conditioning of the world and who's just being themselves Mm -hmm. and allowing themselves to play and to express and to imagine up like the greatest kind of possibilities so yeah yeah that's what I thought of (laughs) well you know when I when I thought about like innocence I was like all right this one was one where I had to like sort of sit with it for a second and jot down some things that when I think of innocence like what do I think of Mm -hmm. and immediately it's sort of like like I have this image of like a child or a younger person in a very naive state. Like I have this like, and almost coming appearing as like shy, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I, as I do with words, I like looked up the definition of 
what the whatever dictionary it is comes up with and what stood out to me was that there's this like not knowing and not necessarily knowing the results or what's going to come of it and it seems like very spontaneous almost where like when you when you think about children and them having like this innocence like they don't necessarily know the moment they pick something up like what's going to come of it Mm -hmm. or when they put things together like you know what's it going to build or um the other thing that I thought it was like not having the answers Mm -hmm. of being able to sort of be in this state of like I don't need to know and that's okay. I'll just, I'll just keep going, you know? But then I actually, what just came to me is like children often ask why. Mm, They're very curious. Yeah. Yeah. I think both can coexist Mm -hmm. like that curiosity and that wanting to learn, Mm -hmm. but then also the being okay with not knowing and, and that, for me, that brings up more of like not knowing what the result will be, not what knowing what the outcome will be, because that feels like a very conditioned kind of thing to do is to want to know what's going to happen with our lives. And, and a lot of us live that way, wanting to know the outcomes of things. Well, it kind of, I feel like we're working a little backwards here, but that's all right. Because yeah. I feel like <laughs> then that brings us to the shadow. Mm of you know one of the things that I noticed with both of the shadows in like the root of all of this idea of chaos is fear Mm -hmm. so how that sort of what you were saying what what it brought me back to was also how Richard read in this in this third gene key he talks about science and religion and in some way, when you said like not needing to know the answers or the end result um, or yeah, like the end result, I thought back to in some way has science and both religion provided us with this this way of trying to get to the answers. Yeah. And it's like science is so helpful because it can help us to make sense of the world that we live in, but then it's always changing. Like they're always discovering new things in science. Mm -hmm. There's always new scientific discoveries. There's always new revelations. There's always these new innovations in science. So Mm -hmm. we cannot stick to everything as fact. We need to kind of be playful with the information that we're consuming because knowing that things change, things evolve, we're evolving as humans. So, of course, the discoveries and the things that we're, the ways in which we're innovating are going to evolve as well. Yeah. You mentioned something to me about how, um, like, the work of Joe Dispenza 
was coming up for you as you were reading this thirteen key. And I I wonder if it's this one particular sentence that I think I actually underlined as well. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Um it states that here I'll pull it up for you right now. One answer lies in the polarity of the shadow, the fifth shadow of corruption. It means that you are only trapped by your thinking. The wider you open yourself to the chasm that lies ahead of you, the more you realize that there never was any chaos. It was simply the difficulty of the beginning, which is the the interpretation of the I Ching for this difficulty at the beginning. I loved that. I loved um, kind of the redefining of chaos because we have this idea of chaos being like disordered, but then, yeah, like you said, he refers to it as just it's not about disorder. It's about just difficulty at the beginning. And anytime we're starting something new, anytime we're like innovating or I guess there's people coming out with these radical new ideas and concepts and innovations, it takes time for for it to catch on. There's that resistance because I guess it's resisting, the resistance is coming from this old fear-based way of doing things, this more primitive kind of way of operating and, and seeing things. Well, I think of, you know, how when change is coming about, that usually there's fear. And, you know, what he says, what it's shared with, shared about, can't even speak today, the repressive um, nature of this being like anal, like anal retentive, mm-hmm. like this, this sense of chaos and um yes like well the sense of like having this need to control that's what I was meant to say and then the reactive of being like this disordered which can come out in this rage and I was sort of like just thinking about how oftentimes when things are are like new how they can be difficult and in our attempt to have sort of um an understanding of like the end result like maybe these two expressions coming out because it is so unfamiliar or it is so um the experience can feel very much like and not knowing mm. and unsafe as well mm-hmm. because it's not what we're used to it makes me think of like when we're trying to change something about ourselves or our behaviors that there, there can be so much resistance it can be so hard at the start because we're trying to operate in a completely different way than we're used to. It feels unsafe. It feels foreign. And that fear, that wanting to feel safe keeps us in those old patterns 
those old habits. And I'm sure this is something you see a lot in your work as a therapist, like people's resistance to change, even though they know consciously, they know they want to change or they want to improve their lives or heal or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. Well, it brought me to something else, like the whole point of bringing it back to what I was saying about um you know, opening up your mind and how there's this relationship in this with how you um, perceive yourself. And he talked a lot about like the quantum biology of things where I know you and I were discussing of how it was a little um, thicker to process Mm -hmm. all of that. And I wonder if this is why it brought up Joe Dispenza for you, because essentially, say that again? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. essentially a lot of his work this is how I interpret it is that you can you can change any state of your being with like through the power of changing your relationship with your environment which is what he was um describing Richard was was describing with the us being single-celled organisms to multi-celled organisms and um, how it's coming to find out through quantum biology that our the nucleus is actually in the membrane and not in the centerpiece, in the center of the cell. I hope I'm saying all of this correctly. Um, and it so it sort of, to me, is how like the cosm, which I also had to like see how I refer to this word is like, the space that is between two things and something that Joe Dispenza talks about is getting into the space that is between you and the external world, essentially like going into this quantum field where things are um, like infinite Mm. and how that relationship is actually us connecting with this thing much greater than us that can actually influence us and help us to to create the life that we want to live and be connected with something that's much greater than ourselves god source spirit and all of this brought me back to like in college um when i started learning about the field of social work And one of the things that just immediately just made so much sense to me and that I gravitated to was this concept of person in the environment. And it's sort of this theory in social work that really what what we're seeing is that the individual self is a representation and a reflection of its relationship to the environment that it's in. It is not just this sole person um, kind of having these thoughts and these feelings and it's not so much individually focused where maybe one would say that the field of psychology has been or was and that sort of just beats like it just resonated so deep then on I'm like this is like some of the like foundation of a lot of the stuff that I work with because we're not here alone we are here in relation to the things that are outside of us and they can influence how we feel and the way we behave and how we think of ourselves or the beliefs that we carry. And, you know, what's coming, what we're coming to realize is that 
with our relationship with our environment, we can actually pretty much change our genes. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> it, it goes deep. <laughs> it goes deep. And the, the the thing that I think of when, you know, he was saying that he said somewhere that we're not really even me- meant to, the human mind isn't even meant to be able to understand this. It's not even designed to, I don't know where he says it, but um it's yeah it's not really something we can intellectualize it's just like a feeling Mm. I wish I could find it (laughs) do you feel as if that stands out to you because this conversation particularly is more about how you can feel than it is about what you can like cognitively understand I think so yeah and I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying about emotions and about Mm -hmm. how you know we're becoming more emotionally intelligent and uh yeah I'm not sure what else well so my is finding it hard to come up with the yeah yeah well it's so interesting well yeah because neither one of us have this we don't have time so like if we you know what we've been doing is also tying this into like our human design charts as well um and one of the things for this one is again like the last one you nor I have this definition so it's it would only seem sort of correct for us to not really be closely tied to it not have a real consistent understanding of like the expression of this and I guess there was something that you read to me in the human design book that made me realize how much it is in a relation to the external world how they so, sort of intertwined because it's coming out of the sacral. Yes. And it's coming out of this, like, this place where it's about, like, availability, life force, sexuality. Um, those are some of the things that I remember. Yeah. It's creative, but it's a different kind of creative energy to that of, like the first gene key that we explored. It's a much more creating like physical change, creating change. That's how I interpret it. Well, it makes me think back to like the difficulty at the beginning. Yeah. So it's oftentimes like when I hear that, I think about times in my life where things have felt like chaotic or disordered. And I, I've been reflecting back on like, all right, in which way did something come to meet me in that experience that allowed me to become innovative of what, what needed to happen next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need, we need that discomfort. 
we need that challenge to kind of push us to innovate. And it makes me think of what's happened in the last few years. Collectively, we've been forced to change the way we do things because our consciousness is evolving. We can't continue to operate from this fear-based way of being. That's what comes up for me. And I also have been kind of tying together, I don't know if this has come up for you as well, but the first and the second and the third gene keys, I feel this kind of, I'm feeling this pattern and I just have to remind myself of what the the shadow and the gift were from the last one because my mind is blanking. This is tiredness. <laughs> uh, dislocation, orientation and unity. And then uh, I, I, I saw a lot of parallels as well with the first mm-hmm. gene key. Like I was saying, this um, entropy, so kind of emptiness, numbness, and then our inability as humans to sit with the discomfort of feeling uninspired, feeling like we're lacking creativity and inspiration. And I I can just see how it kind of connects with this third energy of feeling that discomfort or that challenge at the beginning, starting mm-hmm. something new and, and also struggling to be patient for the innovation to come along, you know, struggling to get that surge of energy to create new things. Right. Well, like you had mentioned, they're all in the individual circuitry. So if you look at the body graph, all three of these gates are in the center. Mm. Yeah. And I, from like what you and I have learned about together, if I'm for myself, the way I was understanding it is that if you relate this into human design, all of the energies are like being pressured from the bottom to the center or from the top to the center. Like they're all going this way. Right. And And so go ahead. They all want to come out the throat to be expressed. Yeah. So it seems correct that there is sort of this theme that is happening right here in this individual circuitry. Um, that is so much related to the the individual themselves and these experiences of of having to be through some sense of discomfort to either take the next action or to come to some place of creativity or to um like to to have the play in it again, they all sort of have this this very individual process. Mm. And to break away from what everyone else is doing, you know, I think of when I think of individuality and innovation, I think of doing something that's never been done before, and that takes courage. That takes the opposite of fear, the courage to break away from the norm, from what everyone else in society is doing in order to create new things and new ways of being. And it also takes me back to like the theme of the individual circuitry, 
the individual circuit is empowerment. So it's not that it's all about the individual just doing themselves and being selfish and being in their own world, but it's it's necessary for individuals to innovate and to individuate and to uh, break away and to do their own thing and to be different in order for us as a collective to be empowered, in order for the whole, everyone to have these new innovations. You think of people who the really obvious ones like Elon Musk or like, I don't know, Einstein or (laughs) uh, you think of these, uh, Joe Dispenza, these people who are kind of breaking away or have done things differently than other people. It's We need that, but then it's like that innovation or that uh, individual creating something new is what then empowers and inspires other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but do, don't you think that like if you think about where you and I are, or have been in the most recent weeks that we're sort of in this place as well. Totally. Yeah. I was, I was listening to your most recent uh, reel that Mm. you put. And then I was thinking about the conversation I had today with uh, somebody who I'm working with for my website and how I'm being met with, this opportunity to reinvent myself, to show up differently in a way that feels more aligned with me, that um, is authentic to who I want to be in this present moment. And that sometimes takes a lot of courage, especially if, you know, there's a tendency to do things to, to feel safer not being like rejected or um not part of the crowd yeah and maybe that goes back to that fear that like pr- more primitive fear of not being safe not being accepted not being uh yeah, not being accepted for who we are and being rejected or isolated from the mm-hmm. from the the tribe. Mm-hmm. And so the reel that I shared on Instagram is was about my relationship with Instagram. I've had this mm-hmm. really turbulent relationship with Instagram over the last few years in particular, many years. But it's because I spent so much time when I started out on that platform I was just doing nail art which is what I loved to do at the time and then as I changed and evolved I wanted to share more of me I wanted to express myself more and we talked about this a lot in the the first gene key about this individual self-expression being such a big part of who I am and so it might seem silly because I've struggled so much personally with how I express myself and how I come across to other people. And I've had this fear of rejection and I've had this fear of people not understanding or misinterpreting me and not wanting to follow me and not wanting to get on my train. I'm just kind of seeing as I'm saying this out loud, I'm seeing the how this is a manifest, a shadow 
because we're here to blaze trails. We're here to create new things. We're here to have people just follow our train. You know, we're here to to drive the train and then have people get on and, and follow the right people. But it was in that fear of people rejecting me that I was actually suppressing my creativity and not showing up fully as myself. And anyway, the the reel that I shared was all about how I'm I've come to this place of peace now and it's taken me so long, but I've come to this place where I'm just like, I don't care who falls away. Mm-hmm. If it's at the cost of me being me and expressing all that I am, then that's fine. That's okay. And I'm I'm okay with that. But the right people, it's just making space for the right people to find me. And I just feel like it is, first of all, our birthright to be our full selves and express our full selves and show up and share all the gifts that we came here to share. But it's so important from that individual perspective to because it empowers others to do the same. It empowers others to be themselves. And, and that is where innovation, I think, happens is when these individuals are showing up without those limitations, without those that limited fear-based thinking and that worry about what other people think and what other people are going to say. And, I mean, of course, do it with integrity, do it with kindness, do it with compassion. Like, yeah, I'm not just saying, like, just go out there and say whatever you want and not care about how you might hurt people like have that integrity and that responsibility of that impact that you're having but yeah I just think it's so important well said (laughs) I went off on a bit of a rant (laughs) that's perfectly fine it was it was delivered very um beautifully and I think that that's one of the things and I don't know if you sense this but even with you're real and even sort of how I'm experiencing you today there there feels like this lightness that's been embodied around this is how I'm going to show up and it's it brings me back to something I don't know I think Jen and Zoe talks a lot about this where it's like people can feel your energy behind something and I can feel your energy behind the things that you've been sharing with me today. And even on that reel, it just sounds, it does. It it gives such an empowering feeling. And, you know, I don't know if you remember this or recognize this, but your sacral is actually completely undefined. I don't know how that relates to what I was saying, but I just, I had looked it up earlier and I don't know all of it, but it sort of sounds like there is so much wisdom that can be Mm -hmm. cultivated from these areas where we're really here to go through like a journey in it um, by meeting these different experiences in life. Mm. And it, 
it has been a journey and I do feel and like thank you for saying that and reflecting that back to me because it, I do feel embodied now. I really do feel like I've, I, I feel so much more confident in myself and mm-hmm. confidence is also something I've been contemplating lately because confidence to me looks so much different now than what I always thought it was. I used to think that being confident was being loud and being extroverted and being kind of in people's faces. And I saw that as like something to aspire to. And so I kind of tried to mold myself to fit into this idea of what confidence was to me. But I've come to this place where I feel more confident than ever, but I'm not a loud person. Sometimes I can be. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, you know, when I, when I speak passionately, when I speak with this enthusiasm, I can sometimes find my voice like coming across more loudly. But I'm I'm not a loud person. I'm like a much more kind of introspective, quiet. Um, yeah, I, ha- I do have this kind of innocent energy and that's another part of my chart which I can share about if you like because I've been thinking about innocence too. But really like I think the confidence comes in the embodiment of our true nature and I think this journey that I've had to go on which has been so challenging chaotic to to bring it back to this third energy it it really has been felt like a challenge (laughs) difficulty um but it's allowed me to then come to this place where I feel like I'm able to show up on a platform like Instagram where I felt really like I don't fit in and I can't find my place Mm -hmm. for a long time it's like I found my voice and that's actually a big part of my how I operate. So I'm seeing like all these different patterns come together, but this channel of initiation, I know I talk about it all the time because it's such a personal experience. It's also, I think it's an individual, it is, it's an individual um, circuit and it goes from the heart. It's like the passion of the heart and it goes into the identity center. So it's a big part of my identity. Um and then it comes at the throat to be expressed through that creative self-expression. So it's I'm just seeing how it's all it all comes together and it's it's felt so challenging. I keep going back to this like difficulty at the beginning, but then it's like forced me to innovate. It's forced me to find a new way to create and to share. And it's taken me back to my innocence, which is like who I am, this childlike being who's not here to be thinking about what I'm here to do. I'm just here to be. I'm just here to express. I'm just here to play. And, again, it's it's a journey. Of course, there's always going to be new layers and new challenges and new things that are going to come up. But, yeah, thank you because it just feels like, exciting I feel excited like now I can discover this whole new part of myself again Mm. yeah such a treat (laughs) to witness honestly I I I don't know if um I feel like you would I would say it's starting to feel that way for me 
but this idea of confidence um has been like circulating for me too and you know as i'm saying that i'm recognizing that creating a new way has been something that i've been experiencing a lot in how i show up you know whether it be with this or whether it be with my own practice or whether it be with Instagram or whether it be with other people or whether it be in my day-to-day. And I can I can almost pinpoint different times where there's been difficulty in in the, the beginning of something. Like now I can look back and see it was the beginning of something. And it does feel so like just disordered. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of fear. And I say this like specifically in relation to like how I experienced my my body and my health. I've gone through <laughs> quite like my own journey of having to get like get creative I guess you could say with how I'm going to heal myself and that's sort of like when I talk about the person in the environment that me starting college and learning about social work and all of that stuff was the beginning of me trying to sort of take more control over my life, which is so funny because Richard Watts says ultimately, like we think we have control. And I think you have to take that lightly because I think you do. I think in some sense, you do have a lot of control over your life. Um, So not everything is supposed to just be like, be seen as black or white, but or this or that, all or nothing, because I it don't I feel like it takes a certain level of of needed like action, needed control, however you want to term it, to get through those moments that feel really difficult. Mm. Yeah, it just makes me think of like the basis of this work is we have to go in, we have to dive into the shadow to extract the gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have to know what it feels like to try and control things and be anally retentive about things and uh, in order to discover what it feels like to get creative and innovate. And yeah be more playful, be more childlike. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's, if there's much else that I could say regarding this 13 key. Um, Because right now I don't necessarily feel I don't feel so connected to like chaos. You know, as I'm saying that, maybe last year I did. Maybe last year I did feel like there was a sense of 
just, um, yeah, whether there was this like control in an attempt at control in, in relationship or whether I was, I think that my, if I've ever experienced some sense of rage, it doesn't necessarily go outward. It goes inward for me. Um, I don't know if I've ever really been in that sort of state where I'm just like outwardly like going in on certain things. I tend to turn it around a lot and like find it that the rage is sitting within me towards myself sometimes. I don't know if that's like the best, but um, you know, I think you have to like slow, like slowly, just moment by moment, take away a lot of the judgment around what's happening and, and recognize that like you can, you can do something else Hmm. and it'll come. I think sometimes when I think of like, um, innovation, I really do think of spontaneity. Mm. yeah same and then and then also going back to this innocence of being open to it being like open to the infinite possibilities of what could come Mm -hmm. because we just don't know yeah. We just don't know. And so I think this is where like our intentions can kind of guide us because we don't have to know where we're going, but we can set the intention for how we want to feel. We can set the intention for um for our own alignment to do it from a place of alignment. We can set the intention to be curious about ourselves, to be curious about our process, to be curious about the emotions that come up, the challenges that come up. We can set that intention to be more playful and be more open to that greater plan. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is a big theme for both of us right now in, in very different ways, but I think it is, well, similar as well, similar but different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't know about you, but I, I get this feeling like there's something bubbling there, like there's something that um, but I can't pinpoint or define what that is. And that's where I struggle. That's where I get in my head. And I want to know, I want to know what it's going to look like. What am I here to do? What am I here to create? Right. I want to know what that looks like, but it's not mine to know right now. Um, My job is to get myself into alignment and to have my intentions be uh, really pure and authentic. Um, I think as well. Yeah. yeah. No, good stuff. <laughs> it is. Do you want to quickly talk about the sacral a little bit? Because I don't, I, like you said, have a completely open sacral. So I don't, I do know there was a lot of conditioning there uh, mm-hmm. and I'm still 
met with that conditioning from time to time. I've done a lot of work to decondition in the sacral, but when I came to human design, I was operating out of a completely conditioned sacral, like always doing, always feeling like I have to do, 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 create, take action, very like masculine kind of um, energy. And so I've been in a process over the last year of deconditioning that sacral. So what do you, what is your interpretation of the sacral energy? And I know that your uh, fifth gate, your mm. sun gate is lies in the sacral. So I'm really excited. I'm so excited to have that conversation. Uh, but yeah, what does it mean to you? And what's your perspective on that? I was just kind of like look, looking at some of the themes of it. And I do see it. It's this like generating motor, I guess. And something you said, this do, do, do brought me to like the post that I had just shared today of um, this. And maybe that's like where some people like find chaos is just like in the constant doing of things. It doesn't seem like chaos. It doesn't seem like, you know, being anal or being um, like disordered in some way. But what I was sharing was that, you know, in this process of growth, someone shared with me, you know, a tree doesn't tell itself to grow. It doesn't say grow, grow, grow. It just grows. And I thought about like my own um, like inward healing growth, you know, um, personal development journey, whatever you, you would say. And I have found myself like for many years um, wanting to be this best version of me. And um. I just am starting to recognize that I don't know if like constantly trying to do something is really serving me or has really served me. And one of the things of um, like the not self theme of the sacral is not knowing when enough is enough. And immediately like some of you're right there for me specifically, I do find that there has at some point that I'll take a, probably a, some time to decondition through if I haven't already in some of the conversations or work that I've done. But I, I think back a lot to, um, my, like my past relationship and, to be quietly honest, like the sexual relationship that was involved in that, because this energy is very much part of like our sexuality. And not until like looking back, did I realize that it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. And it's a blessing to be able to go back and and realize that and see that but yeah this constant like doing of things and I wonder how much it does relate to like my fifth gate which is my son personality 
some say it's the biggest part of your chart and it's kind of getting a little clearer as you're sharing it with me how it might actually relate to a lot of the way that I am and um a lot of what I'm like to really learn is this which we'll talk about more at like the fifth but this patience and knowing like the the season for things and having um patterns and rhythms but you know for me like the sacral is sort of this it's kind of like this energy center where it can be on and it can be off like I can do and I cannot do but that takes like sort of a, a step back into recognizing all right like why am I about to do what I want to do and am I can I take a moment? Cause I, you know, I have a defined heart. So if I have the motivation and the willpower, the passion to do something, like I can take that energy and I can put it towards whatever I want if those things are involved. Um, and so it gives me sort of like a, a basis to stop and question myself. If, if I'm doing this to like, to force something to happen or if I'm doing this because it truly really feels right for me. Mm. And that's where I guess you can check in with your authority, your heart. Is your heart in it? Do you have the desire and the passion and the will to to do whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we're even having the open open sacral, it's not to say that we're not here to take action. It's just that that's not how we're designed to consistently operate. And so in forcing ourselves to do all the time, we're taking that energy away from doing the things that are really aligned and that are really going to move us forward towards what we're here to do. That's how I'm trying to see it. It's not that I'm here to just do nothing and rest all the time because I don't have a defined sacral. It's that we have that uh, ability to tap into the wisdom of knowing when enough is enough or knowing when to take action, knowing. And it's a process. It's something that I'm learning. I'm sure you are as well. But I think that's the wisdom, right, that we're here to extract from the open sacral yeah possibly i'm not really entirely sure to be honest with you i'm not sure either um but it makes me think and i don't i don't know if i have it correct if it's relating to other part but it doesn't really matter i think about um just back to my post of what i said of like constantly doing things you know is it to reach some sense of success or happiness or peace and I think that we're actually block ourselves from experiencing the integration of everything that we're doing if we're constantly just keep doing it it's like why rest periods are so are so beneficial like I especially when it comes to like movement and working out and I might've shared this in one of the up, other episodes that like, I say like 
when my comeback is like, it, it feels so good because I've allowed my body to like restore itself and, and kind of just like be, um, and I, I would like challenge anybody to like take a break from anything and see how, how it makes you feel not having it. And then how it feels if you were, if you were to like, to go back to it, does it provide you with some sense of like vitality? Mm. Yeah, you did. You said that in the first gene key. I remember that. Mm. And it's so right. The integration, integration is like where we take everything we're learning and it becomes a part of us and it becomes embodied. And mm-hmm. um, if we're just constantly chasing and doing and moving from one thing to the next, we're not creating that space to just be. And it, it feels also very controlling. It does feel quite controlling to me because it's like trying to control an outcome, trying to get somewhere, Mm -hmm. uh, which ultimately limits us because when we're trying to control where we're going, we're preventing ourselves from seeing just how infinite or (laughs) amazing or, uh, you know, seeing the bigger possibilities that could come out of something. And it's not to say that it's, not okay to have things that we want to work towards I think that's there's a time and a place for that as well Uh, but it's like can we loosen up a little bit can we let go of some of that control can we let ourselves play a little bit more can we let ourselves just enjoy our lives a bit more as well Mm -hmm. because what are we thinking that that thing we're chasing after is going to get us do we think it's going to make us happy yeah I mean, probably, who knows? (laughs) But what I was just thought about is like, is it actually preventing us from being here? Like in this this moment? I think so. Yeah, because it's all, it's about a future destination and our lives are happening here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And when you can sit in like a presence like that, in this stillness that I talked about in this post, when you can sort of just be in the midst of the chaos, I feel is where the innovation actually comes in because you're allowing space for it. If I'm just constantly going and doing all the time, then am I am I really making room for for what I want to feel, how I want to experience? Yeah. yeah and it's like repeating the same patterns over and over right yeah it's when like on a hamster enough. yeah it's like a hamster wheel and that's like you said that's preventing that uh limiting that innovation mm-hmm. because it's like where and I, I heard someone describe this the other day and I think it was to do with like generators generators are, are here to be the people who are working more because they have that defined sacral and then the projectors are here to like guide that energy because if there wasn't someone to come in and be like hey we could be doing this a bit differently and why don't you try doing this way or you know to guide that energy then we would just keep doing the same thing 
because yeah. like the majority of the population are generators and then manifestors are here to kind of pave new ways and to blaze new trails and to pave those new pathways and then the reflectors are here to reflect back how we're doing it how are we doing (laughs) yeah do you know any reflectors do you have any reflectors in your life no but um I thought I had met a reflector the other day and then it turns out that she actually has manifestor energy but it makes sense because when I ended up up looking up her chart she only had two defined centers Mm. so um I was like all right makes so much sense as to why I probably thought that but you know I was what I was going to mention was that what you're sharing brings up a lot of like the rat race yes and when you get out of the rat race and this has been like my personal journey I mean it's not like I was in the workforce for so long okay but I have (laughs) been sort of like it from my experience I've been I've been working since since high school but in many other ways before high school is I working working in some way to like create the life I want or to feel better or to change my situation or the circumstances I was in and um I just I've realized that part of getting out of this same wheel of the way everyone has been doing everything, whether, however you want to interpret that, is that now I've had to become innovative. I've had to, you know, back to how all these three have layered for us is I've had to, you know, find my unique individual authentic expression And that's had to come in a sense of creativity of finding a new way that is going to work best for me because I'm not going to be able to do things like everybody else. And I don't want to do things like everybody else. I never really have. I could tell you that firsthand. Um, And yeah, when you, if you feel called to not be the, you know, fall into the line of like waking up at the same time to do the eight hour day and then do the thing at night. And then every day begins to feel like the same and it almost feels a little lifeless. I mean, getting out of that takes a tremendous amount of courage. And then you get to be creative in that not knowing that life will give you these sort of experiences to say, oh, well, maybe you could go this way. Maybe you could do that. Maybe I want to do this. But you you get possibility. And, you know, it's, I'm, I'm still sort of saying for myself, how is this way going to be for me? Um, so, yeah. You'll be led. You'll be led by life. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the, the hamster wheel and this uh, rat race, that's what you, you said is it's so true. And we, I think we're seeing that big shift happening and it's just going to continue to happen. People are recognizing that they don't want to operate this way anymore. And it doesn't feel 
it feels empty. Like it feels like, well, what's it, what's it all for? What am I really trying to get here? And to go back to the generators, I think I don't really know as much about generators because I'm not one. <laughs> I don't know what it feels like to be a generator, but I I do know that they're here to do work that they're lit up by, right? And um, so when they're lit up by what it is that they're doing, they're able to work consistently and to use up that battery, like work all day and use up that battery and then recharge overnight and then use it again. And um, so it just, I'm kind of seeing the bigger picture here, how we need generators. We need these people who are able to consistently draw from that sacral energy to, but we need them to be doing the things that they love to do. And maybe it's the the manifestors or the projectors or the other energy types as well who can support them in showing them wh- what it is that they love and and guiding that path. And, and I'm not sure because I'm not a human design expert or I don't know, I'm just kind of trying to see how it all kind of comes together. But it's not to say that working a lot is a bad thing, but if we're working on things that aren't really lighting us up and aren't really bringing us joy or fulfilment or aren't actually contributing our gifts in the way that we were designed to contribute those gifts, then we're feeding, buying into a system that is outdated and that does not support us as a collective, as a society to fully express ourselves in the most like innovative ways or the most creative ways or individual ways. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a perfect way to like bring it all the way around. Yeah. 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 So if anybody has the gene key three or the gift three gate three, we'd love to hear from you share us how it is for you. Cause you know, Hannah and I don't necessarily always know. <laughs> We're just going on a whim here. Um, and yeah, well, stay tuned for, for our next episode. And it was so lovely to be in the presence of all of you and to have this conversation. Yes, I love these chats, Rafa. I love connecting with you and exploring. Can't wait yeah. to do it again. Thank you, everyone. All right. Thank you. Bye.